thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. I, um, I want you ladies to look at your husband, and I want you to say, you're my knight in shining armor. Even if you don't mean it, look at him and say, you my Lone Ranger, me your Tonto. Maybe that'll help. I want you guys to look at your wife and say, I got you, boo. Listen, we need to have that sweet talk. How many of you guys believe that? We need to talk sweet to our husband and our wife and, and, uh, and, and encourage one another. In our marriage, I think we uh, started talking about family matters a couple of weeks, uh, several weeks back, and uh, I think we've got about two weeks left. We've got some pretty cool things we're going to be talking about over the next two or three weeks. We'll finish today dealing with this uh, Christ-centered marriage. Dr. Emerson Egrich wrote a book several years ago. I read excerpts of it when I was in college, and then I did find out, Stephanie and I saw some of his excerpts on Right Now Media. So if you don't have access to Right Now Media as a church, you should take advantage of that. You can go to lovegodreachpeople.com. And sign up right there. We'll shoot you an email and show you how to do all of that. And uh, you will have access to hundreds, literally hundreds uh, of sermons and teachings and conferences. And uh, I believe Dr. Emerson uh, Egrich has some things on there as well. He wrote a book called Love and Respect. And the love is the thing that the woman so desires. How many women believe that? And then we see that it's uh, respect that the man so desperately needs. Men, can I get an Amen. And it's interesting because God never told men uh, to respect or submit to their wives, but he did tell her to love her as Christ loved the church. And then on the flip side of that, he absolutely never anywhere told a wife to agape love her husband as he did with man. In Ephesians, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll read a couple of verses, 22, 25, then we'll jump down to 31, and and we'll kind of put a bow on this today, hopefully, to give you the three ingredients to a successful godly marriage. Here's what I believe to be true today. I believe you can have a successful, irresistible, indescribable marriage with the very person that you're with today. And some of you today, even when I say that, you kind of balk at that because you're absolutely unfulfilled in your marital relationship. But the beauty in that is, is that's how God works. He works in impossible places. He works in impossibilities. How many of you believe that? He works in miracles. He's a supernatural God. He does what he does when we come to the end of doing what we do. And if I can be real honest with you today, what we do is oftentimes making mistakes and making messes of things that God said was perfect. I tell couples this when I, when I marry them and when we go into premarital counseling. I tell them, say, we need to be sensitive to the fact that God created the marital covenant as the first institution on earth that God ever ordained. 2,500 years before he ever created the judicial system or the law, the thou shalt and then thou shalt not, and then another 1,500 years before he created the church in Acts chapter 2. And there's a reason for that, and here's the reason. If everything in the home is functioning the way that it ought to, husband, wife, children, and back and forward, all the way around, everything in our culture and our society will function in the way she's supposed to. Everything, therefore, in the church will function in the way it's supposed to. It just is driven out of that one mandate. In fact, if you look at Scripture, you realize that it's Jesus who calls us his husband, our husband, and we the bride of Christ that will be presented to him in all of our glory, perfect without blemish. Why? Because he as the husband took the wounds so that we wouldn't have to, and he will wear those scars throughout all of eternity so that you and I would be presented to the Father as a perfect bride without spot or blemish for all of eternity. Eternity to which you and I should say amen. 
And the reality of that, though, is 7,000 people, husbands and wives, were polled through a recent study. And the question was very simple, and it was this, that when you're in conflict with your husband or wife, do you feel unloved or disrespected? 83% of men polled, 7,000 men were polled. 83% of them said, I feel disrespected. The antithetical side of that is literally 180 degrees away is the women, 74% of the women said, I feel unloved. Same things are occurring, yet we're seeing it and deriving at it in two different fashions. So here, and I think we have a picture, we get into what uh, Dr. Eggerson calls the, the crazy cycle. I simply, before I ever read this, I just call it a vicious cycle. I've done a lot of marital conflict resolution, in which case God showed Stephanie and I through things we went through early in our marriage, and God healed our marriage, gave us a brand new one. I used to say he restored it, but he didn't, because restored marriage means that he gave you back what you once had, but I like to say God gave me a brand new one. He gave me a new lease on life. He gave me a new trajectory. He gave me a new hope. He gave me a new home, a sanctuary, a place of love and a place of respect. But here's where we find ourselves today in this vicious or crazy cycle as Dr. Emerson talks about. And it's in this context that when she feels unloved, she reacts disrespectfully. When he feels disrespected, he responds unlovingly. And no one, dare you, anyone, break out in a moment of weakness and say, I'm going to break this cycle because we don't do it. And I was going to give you last week the three ingredients. I gave you one of them. But before I do, I want to tell you a couple of scriptures that, if I may, in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm not going to read it all, but I want to highlight two of them. And Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 says this. Wives, all the wives in here, wave your hand at me like you just don't care. Some of you don't care. Okay. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the home, even as Christ is the head of the church. It's God's mandate. It's not something that's open for debate in the 60s. Women's liberation came forth in 62, 63, I believe it was. Uh, President Kennedy wrote a a formation, if you will, a 62-page thesis on the equal treatment of women in the workplace. And I totally get that. And theoretically, In all accounts, the women's liberation movement was a good thing. But then you started even finding that in around 68, for example, some of the women started politicking and screaming and shouting against even Miss USA and Miss Universe pageant because they said it wasn't right, it was exploitation of women, when in fact, I submit to you, it's what women wanted to do. And that's where we started taking a right turn, if you will, and then it got out of balance. So now it's, I can be this and I can be that and I can be equal to my husband. Let me tell you something, you're not going to be a man, ladies, that's not what God's uh, treatment for you was. And you say, "Well, well, what about transgenderism? and all of these things. Let me tell you something. You can say you're a dog, but you're still not a dog. You can say that you're this and you're still... Listen, you are what and who God created you to be. That's not going to change. Now, let me offer you a simple caveat to that, however. I do believe we're to love all people. We're not to disrespect people. I believe that we should not look at some sins as taboo and others as okay. Can I, can I get a witness? Because let me tell you something. Gluttony is one of the worst sins in our culture today. We have an obese society, overeaters, and people who are worshiping food rather than worshiping the true God. We have people that are backbiting, hiding under the auspices of, hey, pray for my sister. I don't want to be a gossiper, but can I tell you something? If somebody starts a sentence with, I'm not gossiping, but they're gossiping. 
okay? But gossiping, backbiting, in fact, if you look in Proverbs, you find those are the, the deadly sins. It's when we run to spread iniquity against a person or we, we covet a person or we speak evil against another person. Let's just be real careful. I digress, but you, you know where I'm going. Then we look over in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, all the husbands in the house, wave your hands up like you just don't care. Just take your hand and lift your other hand up. I know you're tired. It says, husbands, love your wives even as. The phrase means in the same manner in which God loved his church and gave himself for her. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then in verse 31, it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I looked that up, and what it really means is the two shall become one flesh. It is literally inseparable. This is a great mystery, however. The Bible even admits that in verse 32, chapter 5 of Ephesians. But I speak concerning Christ in his church. You see what he's doing? He's drawing a definitive parallel. He's drawing the proverbial line in the sand and saying, hey, the relationship I have with you and I want with you is what I expect you to have with your precious spouse. I don't know if you're like I am, but I'm so thankful today that God loved me when I was unlovable. So thankful that he didn't wait for me to clean my act up before he loved me. So thankful that he continues to love me today, yet I fail him every single day. Amen? That's what he's called you to do, man, to love your wife that way. Listen to what he says. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. That means anyway. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular, you got to each own this, so love your own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects, submits, or honors her husband. Let us pray real quick. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray today that you would unfold and unpackage this in a way in which we can understand it, apply it, and forever be changed. Bless our marriages today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Number one, ladies, give your husband the respect he so desperately needs. And I want to underscore the word desperate. We are desperate for respect. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a little hint, ladies. You don't know this, but you have way more control over a brother than you know. The the words you speak to your husband. (laughs) He's like, they know it. They shall know it. Yeah, that's what they do. They know it. But here's the problem. There's a misunderstanding between the word submission, respect, and honor because it's contracted, uh, contrasted, I should say, with what we see in our culture. Submission means that you become a doormat. That's not God's intent. Submission means you're less than. That is not God's intent. If you even look at the fabric by which the Savior came to this world, he did not come to Joseph, but he came to precious Mary. Let me tell you something, ladies. Hear me and hear me well. God sees you in the pinnacle of his creation. You are the glue that holds 99% of families together today. I'm confident of that. But make no mistake about it, women today do not, quote, unquote, feel they can respect their husband because they might even feel that it's patronizing or hypocritical because he has yet to earn their respect. And ladies, I don't want you to say amen, but if I'm hitting a chord there, I want you to hear me. You think that you cannot possibly respect, by dictionary definition, respect someone who does not deserve your respect. Here's the breakdown. The big problem, ladies, do you know the singular desired idea that a man most most clings to in his life is respect? 
It's true in the workplace. How many a man has left a workplace because he felt, quote-unquote, disrespected by his supervisor? I've seen this. I've heard this. Where a guy, a supervisor is getting on to a worker, to an employee, and he looks at me and he says, well, I'll tell you what, you're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to disrespect me that way. Hey, guess what? It's true in the military, isn't it, JJ? I, I serve. How many of you guys and gals out there served in the military? Wave your hand at me. Thank you so much for your service. And you know this as well as anyone. The one common thread of every soldier from the private up to the four-star general is one word, and it's found in honor, which can be transliterated as respect as well. Honor unit with distinction. For goodness sakes, the highest award that a man can get in, 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 in our military culture is the Medal of Honor. It's so well respected that if a man receives a Medal of Honor, check this out, and he's so respected through that effort, his children get an automatic appointment to any military academy he so deserves, so chooses. Do you know that it's such a big deal for a Medal of Honor recipient that if he were to walk in this room and he were to come up on this stage, every single man and woman that's ever worn the uniform would stand up in a salute of honor because it's the mandate of every soldier, respect, honor, duty. Hey, let's, let's take it down a notch. Do you know the one thing that runs the prison system today? It's not ran by security guards. It's not ran by prison mandate. It's ran by one word. You know what it is? Respect. Hey, going to the streets of the gangs, the most notorious gangs in the world today, throwing up one sign, and I'm not even going to do it because I don't know which one to switch, but throwing up one sign or wearing a color in another area that you shouldn't be in is what? Disrespectful. It's the thing that roots all man all men to his one true validation. Does his wife respect him? And wives today are going, I don't. So therefore, they don't show that. Before I give you the answer as to how we can fix this, I'm going to give you number two ingredient. Not only, number one, wives are to respect their husband as he desperately needs her to, but secondly, ladies, I told you I'd give you something cool this week. Show your wife the love that she most desires. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. How did he love her? How did he love his church? He loved her when she was unlovable. He loved her when she was the epitome of murder and condemnation and mockery and pr provocation, so much so that even as they pulled the hairs from the faces, from the face of our precious Savior, he loved those men and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved them. Here's the problem, and there are some. Men are principally driven. All the men said, Amen. We're driven out of principle. We will live and die on the mountain of principle. When a woman's not respecting, he will not love her the way she deserves to be loved. Tell you something else that's a problem within us men is we are not great at communicating what women are saying and what they really mean. That is the biggest breakdown you can fathom. For example, wife says, we get up from the dinner table and family's around and the wife looks at the husband and says, well, I believe that's the worst meal that I ever made. Husband said, no, it ain't, baby. See, immediately right there, some of you guys didn't even get that. You just, you just got yourself in some serious trouble. 
Because what you really said and what she heard you say is, no, it ain't, baby. You've made hundreds a lot worse than that. And see, some of you guys sitting there, it just went out of your head. You didn't even get it. And the ladies are sitting there going. But see, here's what the men meant. The men meant, oh, no, baby, it was good. That ain't what you said, brother. I'll give you another one. If she says, does this dress make me look fat? You don't even think. You don't look. You don't ponder. The answer is no. You are amazing. You're the most beautiful woman created by God unequivocally. You are my boo. You think about it, you have communicated what you did not mean. But we got to decode that. When a woman says she has nothing to wear, what she means is she has nothing new. Y'all need to know that. That's what that means. Because here's our response. Well, let me just look in your closet. I'll find you something. Baby, don't you see all this? And she does not. When man says, ladies, let me decode for you. If man says, I don't have anything to wear, he just means there's nothing clean enough that he could put back on because he wore it two days before. We don't need anything new. We just want it semi-clean. We have to decode that. A woman asked her husband, said, if you could describe me in one way, what would it be? He says, critical. She's fixing to come unglued and go to catch scratch fever. But he went to elaborate, and he says, no, what I mean is the kids and I could not make it a day without you. Your role is critical. But it's decoding, good, ain't it? But it's decoding. So a man will not love his wife that way because she disrespects him, but she disrespects him because he's, he's stupid. And here's the thing. For example, we don't realize, man, how much of our nonverbal communication really says what it is we're saying. For example, wife says, hey, I know tomorrow's opening day of deer season. And I know you've hunted for the last 17 years of our marriage on opening day, and you're never going to miss it, but there is a sale at Hobby Lobby. Will you go with me because I really, really want you to be with me? Let me just tell you, the answer is no before you ask it. But he's going to do the right thing because that's the kind of man that we're seeing raised up here at Northridge Church. So here's what he does. Yeah, I'll go. Whatever. Let's roll. We're stopping at Longhorn. I'm just telling you that now. What did he say? Women should be tickled pink. He's going. But what did he nonverbally say? I would rather sit in the woods and look for a deer than I had be with my deer. Nonverbal communication represents 94.3% of what you really say. I was going to tell you the, the phrase that the women are asked by their husband, but I'll save that until next week when we discuss sex God's way. So come back next week. It's going to be amazing. Here's the problem, and I've said this before. We don't understand what it truly means to agape love our wife. Agape is the a, is a, is a love that is spoke of, and I think we have some of these, Ashley, that we can throw up that give you the different types of love as mentioned in Scripture. Number one is phileo. Phileo, not fillet. I know some of you ladies are going, I like that one. I'm going to fillet him. Phileo. 
Phileo love is a brotherly love. It's a goodwill love. It's a love from you to a brother. I love you, brother. That's phileo. In fact, though, interestingly, because I had a lady ask me this one time during a teaching session. She asked, she said, yeah, but in Titus, it says for the older women to teach the young women how to love their husband. Guess what? I looked it up. It's not agape. It's phileo. God never called a wife to phileo, I mean, to, not to phileo him either, but to never agape love her husband. Do you know why that is? Because you women naturally, affectionately, Love your husband anyway. But he teaches you the opposite of that, which is respect. But phileo love, like Philadelphia, this is a city of what? Brotherly love. That's where that came from. The second type of love, and I think this is conflicting because we, we talk about we love football, we love our dog, we love hunting, we love God, we love this, we love our wife, and we, we try to put it on an even playing field, but biblically there's four types. The second one is eros. It's become very dirty in our culture. It's where we get the word erotic. It's something that has become putrid in nature because of of the mainstream media, because of movies, because of Hollywood, because of everything that you can get online now. Erotica is something very nonsensual. In fact, it's very putrid in nature. But erotica, erotic or sensual love is the love that God is expressing from husband to wife found only in one place in the entire word of God, the Song of Solomon, where Solomon speaks sexually and sensually about his wife. Go read it. He speaks about her anatomy. He speaks about her softness. He speaks about everything that's beautiful about her, and it's something he gets to brag on. Eros love. Is not a, eros love is not something you have from brother to brother. It's never used in that context. Phileo love is. Thirdly, not only is there phileo or eros, there's agape love or agapao love. That is the unconditional for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved is the for God so agape. And guess where else it's used? Ephesians 5 and 25. Husbands, agape your wife in the same way in which God has loved you. And then there's, of course, storge love, which is a natural affection or familial love that tends to be unilateral, a parent to a child, for example. But I want you to, interestingly, I want to point something out to you. Do you know there's only one relationship that it can encompass all four of those? That's a husband to a wife. Stephanie's my family. There's a familial love. I love her as my wife, as a family member. She's my first in everything that I do, insurance. She's my first go-to in everything. She's my phileo. She's my friendly love. She's my best friend. That's the way it ought to be. A guy shouldn't be your best friend, man. Your wife should be your best friend. That's who you go to first. The eros love, the sensual love, that exists in our relationship. And then I am called by God to agape love her, to love her unconditionally when she's unlovable, when she cannot love, hear me, when she cannot love me back. I'm going to tell you something, guys. I want you to underscore this in your hearts today because it will change your life and it can change it today. If you will love your wife in the way and the manner in which Christ has loved you, she will by default respect and honor you. You won't have to make her do anything. Because here's the problem. Another part of the vicious cycle is I'm not going to love her until she honors me. Well, she's not going to honor you until you love her. Once again, the crazy vicious cycle ensues. Who is it that can break that cycle. Men, it's you and I. Hey, that's what it means to be the head of the home, brother. It doesn't just mean that you get to set the rules. You got to take the bullet for the family.
You get to take the brunt of it. Who is God looking to when he looks down from his sovereign throne? He's looking to you, sir, to make certain that your home is in order. And if your home is not in order, you cannot do as Adam did. The woman gave it to me. When he took the forbidden fruit from her, God said, what did you do? He said, oh, it's the woman you gave me. It's her fault. Didn't go very far, did it? And it still doesn't go far today. Because by the order of creation, man first, woman taken out of man. Secondly, the order of entrance of sin into the world came through even to the, to the man. Hear me, and hear me well. Make no mistake about it. If you want your marriage to shift, to change on a dime today, sir, it starts with you. It does not start with your wife. And let me just say this respectfully. There's some women sitting in this room, and you're leading spiritually in your home. That is not God's plan, but praise God, you are the Proverbs 31 faithful wife who is standing up. There's many men that are in this room today because their wife was more spiritually faithful than he was. I'm one of them. So wives, keep on keeping on. Keep, keep loving him. Keep respecting him. Keep honoring him. And then thirdly, while the band comes, not only... Do we need to change? These are three simple things that can change your life. Wife, submit and show respect. And again, this is not a cowering down. This is not a submission like the world is taught. This is a protective thing. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. But thirdly, and I want you to hear this, show God the obedience that he has earned. Verse 32 of Ephesians 5 says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Let me stop there. Everything in Scripture has its direct tie to the Messiah. Every 39 books in the Old Testament, every single book in the Old Testament, you can't get past Genesis 1 without seeing Jesus. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, that that word God means Elohim, and it's a plural form of the word God that means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing in one before the framing of the world. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14 of John 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. It's Jesus. So what he says is the great mystery of marriage and the great mystery of husbands loving their wives is found in the person of God and Christ and his church. I, I, there's some men in this room that I, I, I greatly respect. And I say this to honor you, but also to draw a line. I'm not sitting up my marriage and trying to live the way you live and thinking that that's the mark. Again, I say I've got great respect for some of you men in this room and men in this world that have sown and invested into my life. But the only measuring rod that I have to go from when I love my wife is how did Jesus love me? So even during that time of the month, it's very difficult for her as part of the curse and those days leading up to to her menstrual cycle in which she's absolutely unlovable. And you know that, and you, it's so hard for you to love her. I know that's something that's kind of, but let me, let's say it, let's say it out loud. Because that's when you're like, I'm just leaving for like a week, eight days maybe, ten. I'm out of here. But hear me. What is the true measuring rod of love? Is it to love someone when they can love you back? Or is it to love them like Christ loved you when you were unlovable? 
That's what it means to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Love her when she's cursing you. Love her if she slapped you. Love her if she, if she denied you sensuality. Love her if she cannot love you back. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. The beauty in that kind of relationship that I have with my wife is this. That God, if it hair lips hell, I'm going to love her the way you loved me. And nothing else matters. Because my only response to this is to love her the way you've told me to. And I let the pieces fall where they fall. But you know what I found to be true? Stephanie wants to fall under my covering. She wants that. She wants to submit. And that's something I I was never told. Because our culture is taught, you the man in the house. What you say goes. You keep being the man in the house, what's going to go is her. She just wants you to love her. She don't need somebody pointing a finger and telling her how she's got to be. I digress. The unbreakable and paramount sacredness of marriage, as history sees it, is a mystery can be fully revealed in Christ alone. I, I, I don't, hear me, I do not even have to bury a lot of time and conversation over women respecting their husband. But ladies, I'm not letting you off the hook. I'm just simply saying this. I think the proposition of respect and honor that comes from a wife to her husband is rooted and founded in his ability to love her the way Christ has loved him. Now, what if, Mark? What if I do all of that? What if I love her that way and, and she still, you know, does me this way or still treats me this way or still does? If I have Christ and I have his affection and I have his covering, I have all that I could have ever, ever dreamt of. Is it enough? Because let me tell you something, one of the most grave, awesome gifts that God ever gave you and I is free will. But hear me, he will not even force you to love him and submit to him. But if you're in here today, let me show you how this works. If you're in here today, here's what I know to be true. Maybe somebody invited you, but that's not why you're here. That was just part of the story. If you're in here today, it's not because mom and dad drug you. You could have just as easily went to the restroom and just stood out in the foyer. Oh, but by the way, we got TVs in the restroom and in the foyer, so you can't get away. You're not here because your wife has beaten you down so bad. You're here because a holy God drew you to this place for such a time as this. And that's the only reason you're here. And do you know what that means? You, my friend, my sister, my brother, you're submitting to his authority by coming into the house of God. You're not submitting to me. I'm just a messenger. Well, hear me. Why am I submitting to him? Why why have I given my life over to this calling versus just stayed in the military and finished my retirement? There's no telling where I'd be now. I could have retired several years ago. Be running and doing. I mean, why do we go down there and build all this stuff on the property? I mean, a lot of times it's forsaking time with our family and forsaking time. Why do we do that? It's because I realize what he's done for me. He held nothing back for me. 
And if it takes me every ounce of every energy of every breath in my lungs, I will serve him to the very day that I die. There's no retirement. There's no stepping back. There's no, hey, I can do it later. I want everything I have, every breath I have to bring him honor and glory. But it's a posture of submission. Why? Because he first loved me. And he didn't just say it in word, did he? He displayed it indeed on the precious cross. He held nothing back from you and me. And that's why you're here today. What does that mean? This is what it means. How many people out there today are walking around, Rodney, and has never grabbed on to the love of Creator God, Redeemer God, our precious Messiah, Jesus, and Christ alone? How many people out there today? 25,000 people in Upson County alone, and at best, 5,000 of them in church together. Perhaps, not all of them, perhaps some of them today have yet to grab on to the precious love displayed on the cross and to submit to that authority and say, here I am, God, I'll go. You hear me? And you know that's true. But there are couples in this room today and listening right now. We're live streaming on Facebook and you're listening right now. And you don't realize, you do not realize how quickly this thing can turn for you. And can turn for you and your marriage can be great. And it's just like the day that Christ reached into your bankrupt soul and deposited hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ, freedom and the gift of grace and mercy and love. And on that day you had an epiphany. It's like an awakening. The same thing happened to me and many other people who's turned over that brand new leaf, cleaned off the slate. The old things passed away. Behold, Jesus says, I'm making all things new. In my marriage, they're brand new every day. And it's new and it's awesome and it's amazing. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but boy, we're just, we're just running after God's heart. I no longer trust Stephanie. I trust God with Stephanie. She no longer trusts me. She trusts God with me. And all we're doing is doing it the way God said to do it. That's it. Nothing miraculous happening other than us just doing what God said to do. So today, what if a light went off to you today, sir? Could save you a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of heartbreak. If you just simply stood up today and said, I'll love her that way. That's it. Nothing else. Now, I think I do need to say this. What about you guys that you tried that? she ran away anyway. She broke your heart anyway. Here's what I believe to be true. That's the outflow of free will. But God, God has something so special for you, sir, ma'am. If you're sitting here today and you've already had your heart broken in a terrible divorce, and you're like, what about me, God? Oh, God, you know what he wants to tell you today? Oh, I know about you. I got something so special for you. It's going to blow your mind. Just keep on keeping on. Don't you get cynical. Don't you turn your back on him. It's right around the corner. Love her that way, sir. Not because I say it. But because today you can break the vicious, crazy cycle of marital disharmony by loving her that way. Ladies, you're not off the hook. Look to him. Metaphorically, look to him as you're covering The Bible says that all leadership is ordained by God and placed over you by God. He's your covering. He may not be the smartest guy. He may not be the most equipped. He may not be the wealthiest, but God gave him to you with you in mind. There are marriages today, literally, that are on the rocks as I speak in this room. 
Some of you young people that hadn't yet to get married, you better hear me. Hear me when I say this. Holy Spirit just gave me this. Listen, you're looking for a spouse right now? Young man, listen to me. You want to pick a girl that's going to do that? It says, submit yourself into your own husband as unto the Lord. If she's not submitting to the Lord right now, there is a 100% chance she will never submit to you in that same way. You need to find a girl who loves Jesus way more than she loves you. Ladies, young ladies, you're looking for a guy? See how he honors his mom. See how he honors his mom, the lady in his life. See how he speaks to her. See if he loves her. That's a good litmus test for how he's going to treat you. I'm going to close with this. Today, today, the cycle can be broken. You can walk out of here with a brand new marriage, a brand new home. Bible calls it a blessed hope. I would like nothing better than to hear emails and stories where people say, my marriage was over and it turned today. You live and die on principle. So here's the question, sir. Would you rather hold your ground and dare not be weak in the moment and love her through the crazy disrespect she's shown you or would you rather honor God first and foremost in your life and just simply love her the way Christ has loved you it's your decision every head bowed and every eye closed as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord how many of you can say Mark I know that I know that I know that if I were to die right now I have heaven for a home I am a child of the most high God I've been saved redeemed would you lift your hand right now? Lift it all over the room. If you're not certain, do not raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Some hands have not gone up. Ma'am, sir, young person, what are you waiting for? Well, Mark, I'm waiting to get my act together. I got some things in my life that are holding me back. No, you, no, you don't have to do that. You come as you are. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week. You may not be given another opportunity as you've been given right now. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. A gift, my friend, is something given you by the person who loves you based on their own merit of love and not the own merit of your graciousness or your reception of it. So today, here's what I want to do. If you would like to pray in faith by the measure of His grace, you can receive Jesus as the Lord of your life today. Live for Him. Change the trajectory of your life. Pray with me if you'd like to know today that you have Jesus in your heart. It's the first step of the rest of your life in your faith walk. Pray this, Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. I admit that I have failed you. But today, I ask you, Jesus, to save me. To be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. And help me to live for you until the day you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray.